0: dot com or Underdog Fantasy in the App Store. Sign up with promo code PitcherList and get your first deposit doubled, up to one hundred dollars.
1: Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galena. And with me as always is the man, the myth, the legend, my friend Scott Chu. Scott, how are you today?
2: Doing great. You know, got the, got the long weekend, you know, because yeah. I, I work for a bank. So Memorial Day is definitely off. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I just just watching some babies while I talk about baseball, a a very common occurrence
1: for me these days. (laughs) And uh, you're right. I mean, there's no days off in fantasy. But when you're working, uh, you know, in in regular industry, you do get these these holidays off. Right. But there's it's a fantasy is a twenty four seven, three hundred sixty five 365 day a year job.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's interesting. Like, obviously there's the off season and you do stuff in the off season, but like, especially sure. right after the season, it's mm-hmm. like nice to take a little break. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you know, you've been in the grind for so long, but yeah, we, we start getting news. What in December, maybe right? Yeah. Uh, when With they the start, you know, the owners, the owners meetings. have their meeting and mm-hmm. things start happening.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, and and hear looked, about you all know, those, a...
2: I mean, even right after the season, you gotta, gotta start keeping track of who's having surgery. Right, yes. like a bunch of players will start having surgery right after the season, and, yeah, and that's important that information when we of, get the spring. You know,
1: this guy was playing with this injury all year, and then you kind of figure out, well, that's why he was slumping. You know, and oh so, yeah, I mean, but uh, I guess if you want to just stay on top, you really got to you know put in the time, obviously, uh, you know, all year long, keep up with the news, and and look, you know, uh, we're recording this on September third, smack dab, like you said, in the middle of Labor Day weekend. And where has the time gone? <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, uh, how how's your weekend been so far?
2: You know, not too bad. I've um I've got a couple fantasy leagues, and, and you know we'll talk. We'll try to mix this in as we're going through all the stuff we're going to go through today. I've got a couple fantasy leagues where I I'm trying to line up for my first like playoff matchup in head to head. Yep. Uh, head, You know, head-to-head leagues are really interesting this time of year. Not that Roto isn't, right? But in Roto, you're really focusing on which categories can you make up ground? How do you maintain your lead in certain categories? And in head-to-head, you know, everything resets every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe if you have playoff, playoff matchups that are two weeks, it's two weeks. But right. you're really like, okay, your loyalty is gone, right? It's who's going to do better for me right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, like top top 50-ish hitters, there, there's no impact, but I'm looking at, you know, I've got a league where I've got Logan Webb, and mm-hmm. he's been good for me in this points league all year, but um, you know, I have a buy in that league, and by the time we come back, his matchups are at Colorado, at L.A. Dodgers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no yes, thanks. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> that yeah. that can't help me. There's, especially in a league, that has very limited pitching moves, so uh, I can't hold him. He's going right. to get cut, and now I just have to think about when I'm going to do it, so uh, I know uh Joe Arrico had an interesting post today about uh head to head versus Roto, right? And he talked about how Roto is a much better uh a much better gauge of overall skill, right? Like generally speaking, the the cream rises to the top, right? Mm-hmm. Uh but there's a lot of excitement in head to head, and it just it's such a different game, head to head, because it it sort of make it turns into DFS at the end of the season functionally. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's not as though that there's no skill involved, right? Um, It's, and it adds excitement in that, you know, if you qualify, you're in, but it really changes the, it really just changes the calculus you're doing. I mean, starting on Monday, when folks are listening to this, Nick will be switching the list over to, instead of just a ranking, it's a uh, remaining schedule, right? Because it no longer matters what the ranks are, Mm -hmm. right? Like the difference between the number 150 guy and the, and the taxi squad is going to really not matter anymore. I don't do that. I continue to maintain just a regular set of rankings uh, that are just really volatile because if anyone hits the IL, like they're droppable, right? Like we right. we know the Riley green just hit the IL. He's droppable. If you're mm-hmm. especially in a playoff scenario, because two weeks is half the season. Right. 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 Like, especially and especially in head to head, you might not be in the, like your season might be done in two weeks. Yes. Right. Playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of folks are starting your playoffs. There's just no time or space for loyalty, so uh, mm-hmm. it makes the it makes the analysis this time of year so different because a player will be really really good, and I'll say cut him, mm-hmm. right? Like there's a lot of places where Sean Murphy is droppable in head-to-head leagues, points leagues, he's droppable because he's not playing. He's
1: not playing he enough, a, right? It takes a couple—not yeah. takes, but they're sitting him. It seems a couple of days every week at least and you
2: you can't afford to have a catcher on your bench in single catcher leagues obviously in two catcher leagues you have to hold him but Mm -hmm. like he has all this upside and there's so many guys i would cut him for like a Mm -hmm. full a a catcher playing five times a week is just what you're going to need especially in points where not playing like you you basically always get hurt when someone doesn't play because Mm -hmm. you're losing an opportunity to get points so i mean those are the kinds of things you got to be doing now and it just changes everything about how you look at the game and I get it. It's not quite the same as Roto, but in Roto, you're still doing this, right? You're still making these decisions. Like, uh, I mean, someone asked me about hitter, you know, what hitter should I start this week? I mean, like, at this point, who's got, you know, I, I'm looking a lot. at. I'm looking a little bit about overall talent and upside, right? But anyone that's within like 40 or 50 spots of each other, I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at what's their schedule. Is there mm-hmm. a difference in games played? Some teams will play five games in a certain week, and others right. will play seven. I'm like, well, there's the difference. Two mm-hmm. more games, eight more at-bats, right? That's a big deal. So it, it just, again, everything is so different now. You're using a lot of the same skills. You're just applying them in very different ways.
1: Right, and it'd be great if you could figure out uh, which pitchers and align your pitching staff in head-to-head where you could get as many two-start uh, weeks as possible, right? Uh, that's another thing, right? Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Especially in, you know, head to head where, you know, and points specifically where Mm -hmm. most point leagues, a start is always worth something. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. It's rarely negative. Now it can be, you know, when those pitchers have like those one inning outings or something like that. But in most points leagues, you know, I'm in one where the only way a pitcher to get to get negative is they have to get the loss and they have to pitch like one inning. Mm-hmm. right? It's about the only way to get negative points in that league. Cause they don't count. Uh, you don't lose points for earned runs, right. right? Like they just have to have very short outings that are losses mm-hmm. uh, and no strikeouts. So in that league, it's all about the two start now, right? Because mm-hmm. I understand that pitchers very rarely have have negatives. Right. But in other times, you know, if we're leagues where it's very possible for a pitcher to get a negative. You're starting to look at, okay, do I want the two starts against two decent offenses? Or do I want the one start right. of like a, uh, an Astros pitcher against the A's, where you know you're getting the win, mm-hmm, right? Like mm-hmm. you might not, but there's very you know the percentages tell you you're likely getting the win. It's much more likely than any other. So uh, again, same skill sets that you're using to get to the playoffs, but after that, it's same skill set, different application.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk catchers a little bit more uh, later in the show, but um, yeah, you know, I guess uh, we'll start with. Uh, uh, the Angels, who uh, may have ushered in a new era in in baseball by sending a bunch of their players to the waivers, Scott, including two players that they just traded for in Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez. Uh, Giolito picked up, I believe, by the Guardian starting pitcher, and Reynaldo Lopez, uh, he, uh, he was actually the next man up in the bullpen for the Angels. So uh, basically a a cost-cutting move, right? Uh, Angels were trying to get below the luxury tax threshold. Didn't work out because no one claimed Randall Gritchick. It would have worked out if Gritchick was claimed. But uh, unfortunately uh, for the Angels, they are narrowly above that that threshold where uh, the uh, tax consequences take effect. But uh, just one guy I'll just mention that was... Uh, claimed is Hunter Renfro, who I uh, uh, roster him on my towel team. And uh, I was worried about where he was going to end up. Uh, And he was claimed by the Reds, who also claimed uh, former Yankee outfielder Harrison Bader, by the way. But um, by the way, we're recording this, like I said, on on September 3rd, uh, Labor Day weekend. so so far he's zero for nine for the Reds, but that, that's a pretty nice landing spot as long as he plays every day. And there's been some injuries, so he might play every day for for the Reds. But uh, playing in a nice hitter's park, um, does it make him more attractive for you for fantasy purposes? Uh, his landing spot with the Reds?
2: Yeah, unfortunately not. Because here's the problem: the Reds have a whole outfield on the bench. They have a left-handed outfield and a right-handed outfield, uh, and that's. Like they're not exactly doing it that way, but Renfro has only played twice. Uh, He's not in the lineup today on Sunday. So he'll have played Mm -hmm. two times in four games. It's three lefties or sorry, one lefty, three righties. He hit fourth against the lefty, right? And I expect that to continue. I think they wanted him because they had a very left-handed heavy outfield with Friedel and, fraley and martini and will benson those are all left-handed guys so they wanted some righties so they pick up bader they pick up renfro uh they've got senzel on the bench but yeah they have four out four guys who can play the outfield on their bench granted Mm senzel has been playing infield for them the reds roster is just so hard they have functionally become like the rays right where the rays will platoon almost everybody yeah right so like I like Jake Fraley and he's had a really good season uh, except for the fact that now I expect him to sit against every single lefty, which matters, especially like we were talking about in head to head. If they're playing two lefties that week, Fraley's probably going to sit three times because Mm -hmm. he's not going to play against every righty, you know, and and same for Friedel. I would expect Friedel's a little bit different because he can play center field, but I expect Friedel to sit against every lefty in favor of Harrison Bader. And then sometimes also just against a righty because they want to get these other bats in the lineup, right? The only guys that appear to have everyday roles right now are, uh, Encarnacion strand who has not sat since the new guys all came in. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, Spencer steer who is now playing second base, which is cool because now he's going to bring that eligibility into next season. So he should be first, second, third and outfield eligible. So Mm -hmm. that's interesting for, you know, especially in keeper leagues, things like that. Spencer steer, probably not a top, Uh, 50 guy, he's really faded in the second half, but being eligible at all infield positions except for shortstop, plus the outfield, I'll take that all day. Got a little bit of pop. Uh, And then, of course, Ellie De La Cruz playing every single day. Sure. Uh, But other than that, oh, and yeah, Encarnacion, Strand, Steer, and uh, De La Cruz playing every day. Everyone else, it's a crapshoot.
1: Yeah, okay. Um, So back to the... Oh, sorry, and Noel V.
2: Marte. Noel V. Marte is playing every day. He's not playing well, but he's playing every day.
1: Okay. So back to the Angels. Uh, Shohei, we'll just talk about him for a second. Still plugging away. Uh, remember, he was diagnosed with that torn ulnar collateral ligament. And, you know, he and the Angels, at least, I don't know if you've heard anything, Scott, but I they haven't really uh, announced any next steps for him. He was supposed to get a second opinion. But um, it's, he's played nine games, been in the lineup every day since he was diagnosed with that uh, UCL tear. And no home runs, um, five doubles, a uh, triple, but the batting average is there, 313 batting average with a uh, 1.020 OPS. So, uh, I mean, John Heyman from the Post says he's still going to command a $500 million deal at the end of the season, but interesting to see him just play every day. And I mean, it's only nine games, but no home runs. Does that concern you at all?
2: No. He has nine game stretches without home runs, you know, Mm -hmm. not as much this season, but it's not that weird. Right. Like, you know, seven to nine games, no home runs or like one home run over a 15 game stretch. He's done that. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's happened not as much in, you know, in the heat of the summer, he didn't do it. But I mean, from July 29th to uh, August through August 12th. Right. So almost two weeks he had one home run. Right. Mm -hmm. Because Sometimes that happens. Sometimes guys don't hit home runs, but five Spoiled doubles tells it me just that, it's that not a every
1: problem. other day in the middle of the season, he was hitting a home run, but I, I get what you're saying. And I agree. Um, yeah,
2: it's it just, it's not, it's not critical to me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not, it's not as though he's striking out a bunch more, right? Uh, he still has plenty of games, no strikeouts. He's taking plenty of walks. Uh, the bigger issue is probably that there's no reason to pitch to this guy. Mm-hmm. Like even with the, the torn UCL, he, he doesn't, you know, like, there's just no, there's no protection in this lineup, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I would walk him every time.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Because, like, who's like, if you're going to get beat by the Angels, you'd say, like, okay, we're going to make you do it through Brandon Drury and Mike Moustakis.
1: Right, especially right? with Trout it, out. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm.
2: yeah, so, I mean, I just, there's very little incentive for anyone to throw him anything near the heart of the plate, mm-hmm. right? Just walk him. Um, so, so the yeah, fact no, that, let's say, again,
1: Harper wasn't hitting home runs right after his... Uh, TJ surgery that, that doesn't like alarm you at all.
2: So again, it it can, right. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is about when is the surgery, right? So if he has it right after the season, he does get quite a long time to recover Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll, we'll know more in, you know, preseason things like that. So it'll downgrade. It might downgrade his overall power output, Mm -hmm. right? Um, it's probably harder for him to get to 40 home runs, but then of course it matters. What team is he going to be on? There's other ways to make up for that. Right. I mean, even Harper has been fantastic, right? Like, yeah, the power was down. So he wasn't quite at his peak, but he was still hitting what over 300 the whole time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like the floor is just so high that I probably don't care that much. It's a bigger deal in daily leagues where Otani is one player he goes from easily the best for 2024 to like a top five guy for 2024. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, He has to go in the first round. It just, even if you change the projection, it doesn't really change the fantasy, like what you do in fantasy. I just don't think there's a lot there again. That narrative is important whether or not, you know, and a lot of people want him to get surgery now. So he, he gets better faster, but it Mm -hmm. just, it just doesn't work that way. Right. Like, some players do like don't have the power problem, right? There's plenty of them. We know mm-hmm. it can cause that problem, but it doesn't always. And that one month probably it doesn't make a difference in terms of pitching, right? He's not pitching next season, right? I doubt anyone will put in all that money and then pitch him next season, right? Uh It'd be very strange. So there's just it might make a little bit on. of a
1: difference. I mean, it's easy for me to say, hey, get the surgery now, but if he did get the surgery now, like the last time. He had Tommy John surgery. I believe that he didn't start playing until May. So if he does get the surgery now, um, maybe, you know, he could be ready to uh, start batting, you know, opening day. So, yeah, I, but, I
2: think if it and again, I, I understand that. But like yeah. the human body's not a machine. Right. Uh, sometimes. Like sometimes it goes better. Sometimes it
1: goes worse. Sometimes
2: yeah. the fact, things I are just. Yeah, read different. That the
1: second t- Tommy John surgery takes a little bit more time to recover from, I believe. But, uh, right. I'm no and doctor. so,
2: like, we don't really know when he'd be back anyway. That one month, just probably not. It's probably not big enough of a difference, especially mm-hmm. because, you know, we've got the whole offseason coming up. It's not like he's going to be in the playoffs, right? We know mm-hmm. uh, Max Muncy got Tommy John surgery two years ago, but he went all the way through the playoffs with the problem. Mm. Right. So, and then he didn't even get it fixed till like the spring and Bryce Harper's surgery was, you know, a little bit later. He went, you know, he, he took longer. We know Otani at the latest is getting this surgery in October. Mm -hmm. He might stop early, especially if something starts hurting. If anything's bothering him, I'd expect them to have a very, very short leash, right? A real quick hook. Anytime something's bothering him, it's like, all right, you know, like, oh, you twisted your ankle, hit the IL, go get your surgery. Right. But Mm -hmm. as long as he's feeling good, otherwise, I imagine they're just going to let him keep playing because that's what Otani wants to do.
1: Yeah. You think that uh, if he did stop playing now, he'd still be the MVP, hands down? Easily. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I kind of agree. Mostly
2: Mm -hmm. because, well, so Julio Rodriguez could do it, right? He's the one player, I think, with a real shot. And overtaking with how good he's been
1: and how good Um, the Mariners have been during his streak. Yeah, that's the real thing, right? right Because if -hmm. if
2: J-Rod can take them to the playoffs, which it seems like he's doing right, Mm -hmm. if he carries out through September, I think then there's real arguments, Mm -hmm. right? Not And like, you know, war still has them off by about a whole win. But war is just a reference point, right? You don't win just because you had the best war. Now, if you have the best war by like two wins, it's going to be hard to argue against that. But if if J-Rod can get himself within like half a win, I think then all of a sudden, right? It's what about the guy who took his team to the playoffs? Like basically put, he was the spark plug. He put them on his back and then everyone else started hitting, right? Like Mm -hmm. he changed that team. So you could make the argument. I'm not saying they will. It should be Otani, but it might not be. In a certain scenario, I, I no longer think that's impacting Otani playing, but also Otani wants to play, and the angel mm-hmm. like the Angels don't really have anything to lose except money, right? They lose money if Otani doesn't play because there's already very little reason to go to that ballpark, yeah, right? At yeah. least you got Otani.
1: Well, he obviously wants to play because he was diagnosed with that uh, UCL tear uh, after game one or during game one of a doubleheader, and and you know said I'm playing the second game in the second day. So the guy obviously wants to be in the lineup, but uh, before we head off um, from the Otani topic, what do you do with him in dynasty? I'm looking at, you know, some trades and there's one that sticks out at me in in dynasty. Uh, You give up Shohei Otani, the batter and a 20th round pick for Rafael Devers and a third round pick. What do you do with him in dynasty?
2: I can see that in a very shallow keeper. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So where the third round is still going to have top 50 ish talent potentially, mm-hmm. right. Then maybe, right. Cause then you're trading Otani the batter for a, you know, a top tier third baseman and a um like, and a top 50 player. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, plus you've got the fact that, you know, if you're in a league with only one utility, some folks will put some value on that. I, I don't like that trade. I'd rather have Otani mm-hmm. um, the ceilings just higher. But it it's a very it's a very conservative move, mm-hmm. right? And you know I'm sure there's there I'm sure that there is a world where you look the the Devers the the guy who gets Devers looks back and says, "Hey, look, I did it," right? But it's like, right. and it's just the batter. So and, and, okay, and the manager yeah. that
1: gets back Devers is obviously very risk averse, right? That they, they they just want to protect themselves.
2: And from... maybe you know, it, it, with with some of these trades, we don't know the other implications, like. How many years is Devers a keeper versus Otani? Right? right. What I mean, if Otani's just next year? Sure. These kinds of things. But like assuming it's like a keep forever sort of scenario? Mm-hmm. No, thanks. Mm-hmm. I'll t- I'll take Otani, especially because it's unlikely the third round will have top 50 players if you're a keeper league, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because it just doesn't, you know, you're probably look you're, before the first round begins, you're probably looking at half of the the top 50 out, right? right. Like they're mm-hmm. already kept. So, yeah. It, not not my favorite. I'm not trading him anywhere. Mm -hmm. I don't think you'll get appropriate value. I'm not really changing the value much, right? Especially Mm -hmm. where it's keep forever. For one year, yes, I'll change it to still one of the best hitters in baseball, Mm -hmm. right? Still very difficult to acquire, Mm -hmm. uh, but possible versus, you know, where it's long-term. I'm not doing anything, right? Mm -hmm. Because in two seasons, I've got the best player again.
1: Right. And still in the prime of his career, too. That's the key, too. Um, So, yeah, let's take a quick break here. Take our first break. And when we come back, uh, baseball rosters have increased after September 1st uh, from 26 to 28. So we have a few young players to talk about that got called up. We'll talk about all of them
0: right after this. This podcast is sponsored by Underdog.
1: All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Galina, you could follow me on the former Twitter, at Joe And you can follow Scott Chu at if the Chu Fits. And like I mentioned before our first break, uh, baseball rosters have expanded from 26 to 28. And talk about uh, some of the uh, young call-ups and try to determine uh, if there's any uh, reason to roster them for this season and their fantasy value. Um, how about Nick Lofton, second baseman, third baseman for the Royals? Um, yeah, just reading some of the descriptions about his, uh, his tools, is just, but doesn't really do a, a, a lot of things great, but does a lot of things well. Can play multiple positions. Uh, some speed and power doesn't strike out too much. Uh, just not sure if he's going to get enough at bats to matter in fantasy for the Royals uh, at this stage. But uh, what do you think about uh, our uh, Nick Lofton?
2: I'm still reeling that we didn't start with the guys. I was almost certain you were going to start with.
1: Well, I'm going to uh, get to them from, I'm from get New York. To... I'm sure we'll, yeah, get, yeah. There. Sure yeah, we'll right, get there. Sure. We'll get there. That's uh, next. Yeah. So,
2: so Nick, Nick Lofton is a hit tool first prospect. And <laughs> I like, hit tool first prospects. Mm -hmm. I don't like them in short periods. I don't like them when they hit into the bottom of the lineup. And I don't like them when they don't play every day. Mm -hmm. Uh, They tend to be the accumulator types, right? Like these guys with good hit tool, but like no real power. He's got some speed, but not much only six stolen bases this season in 82 games. Um, He's a guy that's got to hit his way on. It's, you know, the, the ceiling is just limited because he doesn't have much power. He's got less power than Sean L for example, over in LA. He, he's just, so again, it's going to be hard for him to do enough for us to care, right? Mm -hmm. Like even if he plays half, you know, he'd need to play the rest of the season, right? And he still gets what maybe two or three home runs, a pair of stolen bases at best. It's just not enough, especially Mm -hmm. on a team like the Royals, where there's not a lot of counting stats to get to.
1: Right. Okay. All right. So you want to head over to New York with me uh, there, Scott? I I know that uh, you expected me to lead off with it. Maybe I should have. But uh, Yeah, I heard
0: heard
2: they called up some guys.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, here's the good news, Scott. And uh, the Josh Donaldson era in New York has mercifully come to an end. And I I wish Josh Donaldson the best. You know, I don't have any... uh, ill will towards him personally, but he was just terrible for the Yankees. So they, they release him. They also released uh, reliever Spencer Howard, which uh, is kind of weird. They, they traded for him at the deadline just for cash. But look, the guy has a 16.88 ERA uh, for the Yankees triple A team since they signed them. So I guess it, it kind of makes sense, but uh, so Formal yeah, top the,
2: 50 prospect. Yeah.
1: Spencer Howard. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, so, uh, They called up uh, catcher Austin Wells. Let's start with him, and then so as I'm, I'm I'm putting the show notes together. Uh, We'll we'll talk a little bit about Austin Wells in a second, but we got to talk chicken parm again (laughs) because Austin Wells was an integral part of the uh, chicken parm episode with Anthony Volpe, uh, where Wells and Volpe, a couple of old friends took advantage of an off day and uh, at a chicken parm dinner and supposedly Wells, they were talking hitting and he pointed out a flaw in Volpe's batting stance. I believe he said he was standing too far off the plate, but there's been a change, you know, and so so before the chicken parm incident, uh, Volpe had played 67 games and had a triple slash of 186, 260, 345, uh, an OPS of 605, right? He had uh, nine home runs and had stolen 14 bases, hadn't been caught, and um, had a 30.8 K percentage and a 67 WRC plus, so... But after the chicken parm incident, and we're talking June 13th on, it's got 68 games, uh, a respectable 250 batting average, 332 OBP and 805 OPS. And the strikeout rate went down like a little over 7% to 23.6. And I I know we might talk a little WRC plus later, but uh, it went from 67 to 122. And uh, I know what you you love, uh, we might even talk about uh, zone contact again, Scott. Zone contact rose a little over 3% as well. So chicken parm, forget the protein shakes, the superfoods, like the blueberries, the avocados. Eat more chicken parm.
2: Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love a good chicken parm? But, you know, so (laughs) with with Volpe, obviously, a flaw in batting stance can cause a lot of problems, Mm -hmm. right? And – Here's the other thing, and I just want to put this out there as a general disclaimer. You'll hear all the time about a guy who goes on a hot streak, and then you'll hear about the change to his batting stance, leg kick, toe tap, bat on the shoulder, these kinds of things, right? And you have to take them with a grain of salt for two reasons, right? Number one, we don't exactly know when exactly they started doing it, right? It it can take some time to really get that going, Um, and they may have done it in some at-bats and they were just inconsistent with it, you never really know how much that it, you know, it's hard to say exactly how much it's impacting things. The other is that these changes aren't always permanent, right? Like mechanics, mechanics come in and out, right? It happens to pitchers and hitters. So with hitters, they'll make a change to their mechanic and they'll keep it for a while and then they might lose it. Or mm-hmm. maybe it'll stop working because something else breaks. Like it's,
3: Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M to sign up for your trial today.
2: It's not something you can always put a ton of uh, interest in because, you know, for example, Ryan McMahon earlier this season made a mechanical. He had been playing just absolutely terrible. He makes a mechanical adjustment. He becomes like one of the best hitters in baseball for like three or four weeks and it all falls off. Right. Uh, because not necessarily because the mechanical change didn't stick, but because other things happen, too right? Like pitchers started attacking him differently and maybe his timing got screwed up from something else. Like not the mechanic he fixed. It was something else, right? Like mm-hmm. all these things hitters have to look at and adjust their mechanics every single day, right? Like mm-hmm. they are looking at film every single day to see like, Oh, Hey, look, I'm opening up a little bit more or, you know, my, you know, what, what am I doing with my swing? Like my, you know, my elbow something some, you know, anything can can break one day or another. Right. If you play any rec sports, you'll notice this. Like some days, you're just off, right? Mm-hmm. And if you could go back to look at the film, you'd probably see it, right? Like, oh, what am I doing there, right? There's like a great old ESPN commercial. Uh, this is Sports Center, and it's uh, <laughs> they've got Jimmy Rollins talking to one of the the hosts of Sports Center. Uh, about his mechanics, right? And, like, one of the days, the guy's, like, shaking his shoulder the whole time. He's like, yeah, yeah, see there? You're moving your shoulder too much. One day, he's, like, turned around. He's facing the wrong way. Like, <laughs> it's it's funny, but it's a very real thing that sort of happens in much smaller scale. So uh, Volpe has two things going for him. Number one, he probably does make a mechanical change, and that probably does help him. It might clean up his timing. It might clean up some, like, wasted energy in the swing. But also, he sees more pitches, right? Like, it's less to me like the palm the the chicken parm story is very fun, but also you're mm-hmm. looking at like the, his first sixty seven games and his second sixty eight games, right? So you're splitting mm-hmm. a season in half, and it's not that surprising. He's better in the second bit, mm-hmm. right? Um, like he makes adjustments, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. starts making yeah again more contact in the zone. You know I love contact in the zone. Sure. You gotta hit strikes when you get them. Not mm-hmm. all of them. There are strikes that you want to avoid, and you know we have a great stat on our site that you can look at. Uh, called decision value, which is basically, are they swinging at the right strikes and are they taking the right balls and strikes? Mm -hmm. But it's, it got much better for him. And that's the thing I'm looking at. Look, Volpe was a, you know, one of a a top five to 10 prospect uh, on, on a lot of lists, especially for fantasy. He's still a guy who got to a 2020 season. Even if the ratios aren't very good, love seeing the strikeout rate come down. That's very connected to that zone contact, right? If you're swinging through strikes, you're going to strike out a lot. Um, but you know, I just, I love seeing that he's just getting more experience, right? For some players, it happens immediately. For some, it takes more time, takes more adjusting adjustments, but that's what we're seeing with Volpe. Also, anecdotally, it's, it's, you know, Austin Wells is hitting behind Volpe in every lineup they've done and he probably will, but it Mm -hmm. might be kind of nice just to, you know, what, you know, after Volpe's at bat, Wells can, you know, he's, he's not on the bases, right? Volpe or uh, Wells can just say, Hey, this is what I saw. The last
1: one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about Wells. He's uh, sporting the Matt Carpenter porn stash uh, 2020 first round pick. Um, basically uh, is uh, more of a bat first kind of guy. His defense has been average, but supposedly it's been better as he's progressed in his career as catcher. Of course, 17 home runs in 96 games across three minor league levels this season. Uh, 105 WRC plus very slightly over above average 5% uh, double digit walk rate for his minor league career strikeout rate leveled out eventually to a lower 20% rate uh, got on base but really didn't hit for high average in the minor leagues as a 260 370 476 triple slash uh, minor league career. Uh, numbers there smacked the double in his first game, which was nice to see. Uh, and I, I've got to replace Danny Jansen in my two catcher tout league um, that I'm fighting to get into the playoffs. This is the last week of the regular season, so is this a guy? Uh, if my season moves on, that I should be looking at as a replacement. I mean, I mean, as I was putting together a show notes, I'm, I'm thinking there might be better options for me. And, uh, you know, Patrick Bailey's out there, who I know that you're, you you kind of don't like based on. The, the zone contact, but Bo Naylor's out there, Connor Wong, Ohapi, Tyler Stevenson, Hunter Goodman, who I want to talk about, but he's actually in the league. He's not uh, catcher eligible, but, but what do you think about Wells?
2: Yeah, let's start with Wells. Wells yeah. is a, you know, he's a flyer, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, he's a flyer to me in, you know, two catcher leagues, not one catcher leagues. He is a, he's a guy that's got some pop, He's got a little bit of speed even, right? Like in a full catcher season, right? 80 to 100 games, he could steal 5 to 8 bases. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I think I think he can do that. He stole some bases in the minors. Uh usually, you know, he's he stole, you know, I'm just trying to look last season when he was in when he was in High A, he stole 9 bases in 28 games. When he was in Double A, he stole 7 bases in 55 games. The guy's got some wheels, right? He did not steal very much this season. Mm-hmm. But uh it is something he could do. And in this new environment, it's not that weird to see these guys do this. The the issue to me, as you pointed out, he's he's not like a crazy high strikeout guy, but it's high enough that he likely turns into this sort of trope of catcher where he can have like a decent OBP, maybe like 310, 320 compared to his batting average, which will likely be two ten, two twenty. Um, and he he's got pop, but it's like a it's like a 15 home run kind of pop mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a catcher season. Right. Right. So I, I doubt that he's so like he's not the type of catcher who's going to DH on his off days. Right. He's mm-hmm. not that good a hitter. So he's uh he's very much like to me he feels very much like second catcher.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh second catcher with a little bit of power upside. And that's right. it. My concern so, is too
1: the, the the limitations on his defense as well. So but uh, you know yeah
2: he's again he's the type of second catcher that uh, in fantasy, he, he he can be your number one catcher mm-hmm. in in regular. I mean, they had Gary Sanchez for how long?
0: Oh, that Gary is scary!
2: Right, like yeah. they'll they'll let a bat first catcher be their primary catcher. Uh, he's just scary. not that good. Yeah. at
1: it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It, So you know, he'll he'll be the type of catcher that sits twice a week. Mm-hmm. You know, even unless he really fixes the hit tool. Like if he can show a ten percent, you know, ten to twelve percent walk rate. And, you know, actually what I should say is if he can do like a two to one, like two strikeouts for every two strikeouts, he gets a walk. If he can mm-hmm. do that kind of rate, then maybe, right, maybe he's decent enough ratios, all these things. Uh, and he did it in AAA, but AAA is not the majors. So Correct. if he can be like a league average bat, like a 100 RC plus WRC plus, that's what WRC plus is stat that really compares you to league average. It brings into account league um. It brings into account the rest of your league, so a WRC Ball plus Parks, the minors is different than playing? the majors. Mm-hmm. If you're a Rocky, you'll find your WRC plus does get suppressed a little bit, probably not enough, but it does get suppressed a little bit because it you know factors in the fact that you're playing in Colorado, so you're expected to hit more. It's it's league adjusted, so it, it's it's pretty cool that way. And if he can be like a 100, then he should be like a full time catcher who's like always. He'll pro- but he'll probably always be like sort of this back end starter streamer kind of range unless those ratios get a lot better. And then he might be able to be like a, like a lock, like the worst catcher that you're not streaming.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So, so uh, in a two catcher league, I mean, would you, would you hold off on any? Go like, I, I, He's going to yeah. play more. Yeah. I mean, who would you so take? Oh, yeah, I was talking. Yeah. So let me give you a couple of names here. Like I, I, I mentioned them before, but bone Nailer's out there. Um, we're going to talk about Hunter Goodman, hopefully before the end of the show. I mean, Tyler Stevenson kind of has fallen off a little bit, but uh, Connor Wong, Patrick Bailey, who I know you don't like because of his uh, zone contact. Right. Um, and also, I think he he was does he fall into that um line, line drive. drive. Yeah. So yeah. when he first came up, yeah. it was the
2: line drive rates. Like he had these drive, great okay. stats, but yeah. they they were so suspect because it was just a ton of line drives. Players can't hit line drives like uh basically you've heard me rant about it before. Players can't hit 30% line drives for very yeah. long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A month tops. Very mm-hmm. few players can do it for longer than that. And the ones that do have to be like the Luisa Ara- like Luisa Reyes and Freddie Freeman can do
1: it. Mm-hmm. Right?
2: But most other players can't. All right. And even they can't do it for a full season. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 All right. So um so who do you recommend? So uh you think yeah, of I, you think maybe? I
2: like uh so for this coming week, I actually I, I don't love Bo Naylor unless mm-hmm. you're only after home runs. Like he's mm-hmm. really struggled to make consistent contact. Oh Hoppy has two things going for him, right? Um Ohapi, number one, he's at home all week, seven games. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of nice. Right. Yeah, he's going to be up against Baltimore and Cleveland. Huge, uh, the, these he rotations aren't seven. that scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ohapi is a guy who does. I mean, he's played four of the last five games. He plays almost every day. Mm-hmm. So you're just going to get more at bats. So has not been that good since he came off the I.L. Right. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but uh, we do know there is upside there. And when you're looking at second catchers, to me, the starting point is almost always playing time. Mm-hmm. Who's going to play? right? Because like, it doesn't matter. Like you can't count on a guy hitting a home run in his two games in a week, right? Mm-hmm. So these, these reserve catchers just aren't going to do the trick. So Ohopi's got a good hit tool. Um, he did hit a home run, uh, already this month, right? On the mm-hmm. 1st of September, he did hit a home run. So that was a little better. He's not striking out a ton in his last, uh, six starts. He has just three strikeouts. So, um, he's not walking a lot either, but he doesn't need to. Mm-hmm. And it's not as though his batting average is good in, uh, good during that time but he is hitting the ball right? right he's making contact that's what you need i think he will play most of this week if not all of it uh, well he, he probably won't play seven days uh but he should play five or six that's going to be more than everyone else most likely um maybe Bo Naylor plays as much uh but Bo Naylor's going on the road to the west coast and i don't mm. love that uh and i don't like the fact he's not good at contact in the first place so there you go give me the, the catcher who makes more contact and who's playing seven games at home
1: Love it. Love the analysis. Uh, People pay attention. This is the way you do it. You you, you look at the schedule, especially uh, in leagues where you're able to make uh, moves on a weekly basis, which basically covers just about every league. But um, let's talk about uh, before we head over to our second break. Jason Dominguez, uh, another call up for the Yankees and they, they call him the Martian and, uh, they call him the Martian because his talent is out of this world, Scott.
3: Oh, goody! My Illuminium Q36 explosive Space Modulator. Uh,
1: this year, uh, he hit, uh, 254 with a 367 OBP and a 414 slug in 109 AA games. That's, uh, 117 WRC+. Um, when he was promoted to AAA, he just started mashing in eight games there, but, uh, strikes out a, a bit much 25.6% strikeout rate uh that's on the high side obviously but uh also walked uh a little over 15% of the time stole 37 bases uh what you love here is i guess the energy very young right uh hit a home run in his first swing in the big leagues against future hall of famer and former tiger Justin Verlander right good blend of power and speed um so uh before we go on, though, uh, there's a, a tiger who also hit a home run on the first pitch he saw in the big leagues. Talk about Jason Dominguez, and then uh, we'll see if we could figure out who that tiger was.
2: I probably won't. I'm bad at uh, I'm bad at history, but
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, especially like it's first, recent
1: history. By right? the way, recent history. Okay, go ahead. all yeah.
2: right. So Jason uh Jason Dominguez. Uh, Jason mm-hmm. Dominguez he is yeah. a uh, I mean, again, he's very, very toolsy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have a great hit tool. Now, it's looked a lot better this season uh, as it's gone on. He's he's always walked quite a bit. The strikeouts can kind of really come up and down. He was striking out way too much early in the season. He's made that better as the season has gone on. Uh, he he barely struck out at all in his nine games in Triple AAA. Uh, he's only struck out once now in his nine plate appearances going into Sunday's action. Uh, look, I, I like... I like Jason Dominguez. He'll never, he'll never be the like. He'll never match the hype he got when he was signed. He was an international signee, and I mean, the, especially because I was into sports cards at the time. It was right, you know, it was right in the smack dab of COVID when hmm. Dominguez gets his first Bowman card, and I mean, it was nuts, right? Like, he was going to be the next make, Mickey Mantle. Yeah, he was. He hmm. was, you know. It, and it's funny because they called him the Martian. And they talked about his physical gifts. I thought he was big. He's not hmm. a big guy. He's five ten, right? Like he looks like a like he's like Martians are
1: pretty short in stature, from what I hear. Yeah, true, like a Marvin the Martian kind of thing. Exactly. Right. uh, You have made me very angry,
2: (laughs) very angry indeed. So he's got what he's got is a ton of power. He's got speed. He can run. Uh, He's a switch hitter, which is fun. those things all give him a chance to, to really be something. I don't expect the batting average to be great long-term, mm-hmm. right? In fact, it's not very good now, even though he's hit the ball better than his um, batting average would suggest in two, I mean, again, two games. Yeah. But yeah.
1: Give him a break.
2: I, you know, what I do <laughs> like if he keeps that strikeout rate below 30%, which will be a challenge, yes. right? Uh, he struck out a ton when he was in the lo- you know, in the lower minors only just started fixing it in double a uh, later on in the season. If he can keep the strikeout rate down, his power will get him on base. Like his power will help him get on base plenty, especially with the walks, right? Mm -hmm. He is a guy who's got the upside for like a, like a three, like a three fifty sort of OBP. If the strikeouts come down, Mm -hmm. right? Like strikeouts just really make it hard for OBP because you can't get lucky when you strike out. It just doesn't happen. Uh, But when you hit the ball hard and you make plenty of contact, you can get very lucky right? Because he hits, you know, hitting the ball hard, even if it's, you know, a grounder, it can still get through the infield. So, but it never happens on strikeout. So if he can do that, he can have decent ratios. I would expect though, for the next, you know, for the rest of this season and for next season, expect a low ratio and, you know, get a surprise. He's got pop and speed. So he could steal, you know, if he plays the rest of the month, which I think he will, right. He's one of these guys that got called up that will probably play every day, uh, or at least very close to it. He can get you like, Three to four home runs, three to four stolen bases. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that I think that's very much something he could do. Decent counting stats. They've already hit him third, right? right. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I, I'm I'm excited about him in comparison to the other call ups. But keep in mind, we do not have a Corbin Carroll like player that got called no. up this season. No. So every you know people want to know who's the next Corbin Carroll. Well, Corbin Carroll was basically the best prospect like the best hitting prospect in the baseball. He was ready for the majors. He got to get plugged in as an everyday player. Uh, Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen that way usually. So the two best that we saw get called up Jason, uh, Jason Dominguez and uh, Ronnie Mauricio, who the Mets finally, finally called up, I think are going to give him some kind of shot at playing time. Neither of them are Corbin Carroll, right? Could Mm -hmm. they do it for a month? It's possible, right? We Mm -hmm. could see uh, these guys do that kind of performance for a month, but like, Mauricio's is at the bottom of the batting order for the Mets, right? Uh, that's not great. Uh, it's going to be hard for him to really make a huge impact like Carroll did, but don't count on them being a Corbin, being a Corbin Carroll. These are dart throws is right. what they are. Uh, almost all call-ups always are, but especially the hitters. It just takes time. Um, it, it's hard to translate their game sometimes. They got to see all these breaking balls. You know, It's only been two games, so again, I'm going to keep saying that because it's important. But Jason, Jason Dominguez hasn't seen a slider yet, right? Mm-hmm. Like famously, like the hardest pitch in baseball to hit. Uh, he hasn't seen one. So, mm-hmm. you know, the more sliders he sees, that's when we're going to really get to know what Dominguez can do against major league breaking balls.
1: Right. Okay. So why don't we take our second break and uh, when we come back, uh, tell you which Detroit Tiger hit. Uh, a home run on the first pitch that he saw in the big leagues, April 4th, 2021. So recent history for you, Scott. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, maybe dive a little bit more into Mauricio. And uh, I want to talk a little Hunter Goodman. Lots more to come right after this. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Scott. I think I
2: know the answer, Joe.
1: Do you? Did Are you, you teasing did you me cheat? about Akil Yes, yes, yeah. So right before, <laughs> right, you know, I'll give you a chance because I know that you like to talk about him. But uh, so before the break, we uh, I asked Scott which Detroit Tiger hit a home run on the first pitch he saw in the big leagues, just like Jason Dominguez did. This happened on April 4th, 2021 versus Aaron Zavalli, right? Um, not a future future Hall of Famer like Jason Dominguez did because Jason Dominguez hit it against uh, Justin Verlander, but still pretty cool. And he's your guy, Akil Badu. Yeah, Badu hit his like first
2: career ground slam that week. Like His first week in the majors was just amazing. He was a Rule 5 guy they took from Minnesota. Um, had to put him on the roster, and, and he just exploded. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the saga has continued. It hasn't been quite as good. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's played only roughly half the season this year. He looks like he's going to be sort of a platoon guy mm-hmm. uh, long term, but he does have speed. Uh, He's just very inconsistent. Now he is making more contact lately, uh, but he still strike out, you know, he's still, you know, it's about a two to one strikeout to walk, which is good, but he's also very streaky, but he's got the potential to be like a platoon guy who like leads off against righties and then doesn't, uh, doesn't play against lefties. Mm -hmm. But um, he's, you know, He's interesting enough, right? He's toolsy as well. He just never had a great hit tool. It's been very up and down while he's been in the majors. So uh, that's something to look at. By the way, I should mention, I did talk about the two, uh, really the two top prospect names that got called up, Ronnie Mauricio, uh, Jason Dominguez. Both are going to play every day. I probably like Dominguez more um, for this season because it looks like the Yankees will let him bat in like the middle of the order. I just don't see Mauricio getting that opportunity. I think he's stuck down at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Although, when it comes to like power, interestingly enough, many scouts grade Ronnie Mauricio as having more power, right? So, yeah. Mauricio is actually a, a bigger guy. He's 6'3, he's just skinny. Yeah. Um,
1: Hitting the ball real but, hard since so, he got called up. Uh, yeah, but also ahead, uh,
2: Mauricio doesn't have a good hit tool. It's actually maybe a little bit behind Dominguez, right? So, mm-hmm. Mauricio doesn't walk, but he also doesn't strike out as much. Uh, but he will you know, he is prone to a lot of weak contact. Uh, You know, hits too many balls on the ground, not enough in the air, those Mm. kinds of things. So uh, we'll have to see how that pans out. But, yeah, I'd rather have Dominguez than Mauricio, but both are decent dart throws. But, again, they're just dart throws.
1: Yeah, yeah. Met fans were really looking forward uh, to having Mauricio, uh, you know, called up and uh, like a switch hitter with some some power both sides of the plate. But what what you said is is right uh, in your analysis of him. But uh, so far... Been in the ball hard. Friday night, uh, had a uh, a double that uh, had 117.3 mile per hour exit velocity, then got two more hits on Saturday night, um, including a 110 mile per hour single (laughs) off of Luis Castillo. So, um, mostly a shortstop in his minor league career, but uh, Mets are looking to see if he could be their future second baseman. And, uh, you know, if he gets it going, I mean, this guy could be a, yes, kind
3: of. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. 20 home run, 20 stolen
1: base potential. Uh, but the knock on him is that he really doesn't walk a lot. So got to get on base to steal bases, right? <laughs> but,
2: yeah, uh, and I mean, he he could do it. He could slap mm-hmm. his way there. But it's, again, it, it's difficult. Both, I'd say Mauricio maybe has more upside this season. Um Oh, no, no, I don't. I don't even think that they're <laughs> both. They both have some upside, but the floor is real, real low. Mm-hmm. Um, And I'd rather take the guy who hits higher in the order than the one who doesn't. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at like the the upcoming schedules. I will say the Yankees don't like they have like one more or they have two more off days for the entire season. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Well, just about right. Like through Friday, September 22nd, which is what the fan graphs uh schedule tool will show me the Yankees will be off on Memorial day. And then Labor day, they, you mean, they're right? not off again until the, uh, until the 18th. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're just going to play and play and play. Uh, they've got some decent matchups. It's going to be the Tigers, the Brewers, uh, and then four games against Boston and then three against Pittsburgh. So not a ton of scary pitching in there. Uh, so, you know, th- I, I kind of like that compared to, I'll take a quick look at the, the Mets, why uh, the Mets here, the Mets have, they've got two off days coming up in the short term, and then we'll have a long stretch uh, where mm-hmm. they play. But at least in the short term, and neither one of these guys, you should be, you're not looking at them long-term in redraft. You're looking at, you know, what are you going to do for me soon? The Mets will be off on, um, they actually have two off days next week. So mm-hmm. if you're looking for a next week player, it's definitely Dominguez because he's only got one off day. Uh, Mauricio has two. But then, then it gets a little more interesting, and hopefully we have some more data about what they're able to do against all pitch types.
1: hmm Yeah. So um, Yankees, two games on the 500 uh, heading into uh, action September 3rd. Can't believe that there's just one month left to the season, but time just does fly. But um, So let's talk a little Hunter Goodman. Uh, Rockies released jerks pro uh, profar uh, called up Hunter Goodman guy could play catcher first base outfield got a lot of power um playing every day uh striking out a lot but always has has had a mid 20 percent strikeout rate in his uh minor league career lots of power in his swing any interest in hunter goodman trying to especially when he's playing at home two catcher leagues
2: maybe Mm -hmm. um so you know i said that all those guys had bad hit tools Goodman's yeah. is worse. Whoa. Like Goodman good, good just, I mean, there's tons of swing and miss in his game. Uh, he did walk a bit more when he was in uh double a this season, you know, 10.3% walk rate. It wasn't there in his 15 game sample in a triple a and it never really been there before either ever since he got out of complex ball. Uh, mm-hmm. So he does feel like a guy who's going to have like a 5% walk rate and a 30% strikeout rate. And from Ooh, there it's ugly. just home runs.
1: Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm.
2: that's i mean course can course helps your power but it also really helps your batting average it's a giant outfield the ball's got plenty of place to travel Mm -hmm. so it could help his batting average a little bit but i don't think it'll be good enough to really care about other than for very specific uh very specific streams the rockies have a couple stretches where they're at home for like a week at a time. They tend to go like two series on, two series off. So the week, you know, Monday, you're listening to this, they'll be uh, on the road against the Diamondbacks and Giants, but then they're at home seven games set the week of the 11th uh, against the Cubs and the Giants, right? Mm-hmm. So that is really one I've been targeting a lot. Um, again, it's a very one week on, one week off for the Rockies. But if you're going through that streaming strategy, you're in head-to-head, you need to know the week of the 11th, the Rockies are at home for seven games. That means guys like Nolan Jones, Ezekiel Tovar, uh, Elias Diaz, probably more than uh, Hunter Goodman, but uh, Charlie Blackman even, right? Mm-hmm. Like, these are guys that are very interesting streaming candidates for that week. So I know a lot of folks have told me, hey, I've got a I've got a bye week coming up. Uh, I made it to my playoffs, so I don't start till the week of the 11th you know, what do I do? You get Rockies, right? You get Rockies because in your bye week they're going to be on the road. You're going to come back. They're going to be at home. You're going to be ready to go. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and it's seven games. So playing seven games is important. Having, you know, having all your games and cores, that is important. Uh, But then after that, they go on the road again for a week. So you kind of cut bait and you move on to something else, but that's really something that uh, I'm paying attention to again. And also keep in mind, you know, doesn't hurt to know who else is going to Colorado for that week, and sure. like I said, uh, the Giants specifically get four games there. You'll also see the Cubs get a three-game stretch in Colorado the week of the eleventh. So if you're mm-hmm. on the bye week, that's what you're looking for.
1: All right, yeah. So uh, before the show, you know, sometimes we go back and forth with uh, some some show notes, and uh, you had uh, sent me some stuff regarding WRC Plus and a couple of interesting names that uh, have had. Some pretty high WRC plus numbers in August. And a guy that really has been kind of tearing it up a little bit is, is, uh, I even forgot he was in, in baseball still. DJ Stewart, right? Then, uh, another guy that's had some pretty good numbers lately is uh, Max Kepler. Uh, I believe he's moved up a little bit in your, in your hitter list. But, uh, WRC plus, really a a good tool also. Uh, Brandon Belt, uh, you mentioned, right? Um, and your old friend Geloff. So uh, Geloff has got to be like really kind of uh, tearing you apart a little bit. But he has been, <laughs> he has been kind of cooling off a lot. And he was one of the guys that you talked about with the with the Z contact rate that you predicted that he really couldn't keep up his uh, his production. And uh, to your credit, he kind of has cooled off a lot. But if you want to talk a little bit about some of those players uh, that you uh, sent over to me.
2: Yeah. So I actually went through and I just looked at like half of a month, first half Mm -hmm. of April, second half of April, first half of May, second half of May. And I looked at the guys who were in the top 15 in the league for WRC plus, this would be qualified hitters, which meant, and they're top 15 in WRC plus WRC plus is very helpful because it helps deal with like guys who had minor differences in plate appearances. gives you a good idea of like, how were they compared to everyone else during that stretch? Right. So being a top 15 guy in WRC plus means you were an elite hitter for that stretch, and the reason I did it wasn't so much to be like, look at these interesting names you should add is almost as much as it was for like there's tons of names that flashed that we just don't care about anymore, right? right? Who was hot in early April JD Davis JD Davis was hitting the ball hard everywhere and it we just don't care anymore, right um, the guys that I compare uh, Giloff to Rooker and Sawinski, second half of April, these were two of the best hitters in baseball like these guys were top five. Mm-hmm. right? And and actually, for the entire month of April, Rooker and Swinski are way up there, and we just don't care anymore. Uh, now, for them specifically, it's a zone contact problem. They swing and miss at too many strikes. You can walk all you want, but if you can't hit the strikes, it's going to be really hard for you to stay consistent. It's not as though as Rooker and Swinsky and Giloff don't have great ceilings. The problem is they're never going to be able to stay up there because they're going to go through stretches where they make terrible decisions. They, and then they get themselves behind in counts and then they swing through strikes. And, and that's just not something that will lead to consistent success in baseball. We're actually exactly seeing that with Giloff. It's not as though, and I've said it so many times, like it, I didn't say people needed to cut him, but I did say you needed to be ready to cut him. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, there was a great article over on Fran uh, on fan graphs by Tess Tereskin. Um, and she actually so I talked about the numbers that I saw bad zone contact hit a lot of line drives. And, and those, again, also not sustainable. He sort of set off both of my red flags. Uh, I won't, you know, totally. I'm not going to just talk through this article by uh, by Tess, but it, it's really good because it talks about what kind of swing he has. And she compares it to slow pitch softball. Yeah, I read that
1: article. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Good article. Mm -hmm. And
2: yeah, it's really good. You really should check it out. And she compares it in a lot of ways that are um, maybe not so favorable. And she she does a good job showing you why. And that actually sort of explains why he has issues in the zone, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Especially against breaking balls in the zone um, because of his bat path and things like that. So again, very interesting to... um, to read that uh, again, it, it's just going to be very, very difficult for Giloff to be sustainable long term, right? Mm-hmm. And basically, he'll turn into a guy who's going to be bad ratios, but will he steal enough and hit just enough home runs to matter? I'm thinking probably not. Uh, but yeah, so again, just these flashes in the pan happen all the time. And the important mm-hmm. thing, especially when you're doing look backs on a season, um, is why were some of these guys just flashes right we talked about akil badu second half of may he was a top 15 wrc plus he was excellent for about two or three weeks i just I, you know even then i i didn't have him on the list he actually never made it onto my hitter list and there's no one i want on the hitter list more than akil badu just couldn't get there because the approach wasn't there mm-hmm. but uh some of these guys just they they flash and then they fade and then they flash right. and then they fade And so you try to find reasons why, right? We've got a couple, right? Really high line drive rates. Those aren't going to be sustainable. So those are eventually going to turn into ground balls and fly balls. And you'll likely see the numbers come way down. Uh, Guys who miss a lot in the zone. They just historically, they really struggle with consistency, right? Very few players can succeed with low zone contact rates. And by low, I mean below 80%. We've seen Aaron Judge do it. We see Matt Olson do it. We see very other, very few other good players do it. So that's always tough, but It's, and this is, it's sort of like a quick way to kind of look at multiple rolling charts at once too, right? Because I talk about rolling charts because you see the ups and the downs. And when we're done with the season, you're going to have a hard time remembering what those ups and downs were. You'll see the final line, but you'll forget about how bad these guys were when they were cold. Mm -hmm. or exactly how hot they were. I mean, Adam Duvall's line, I mean, Duvall has been much better over the last two weeks or so, but he was really, really bad for quite a long time after he came back from injury, but his line didn't show it because of how hot he was to start the season. So these are all things to just like, keep in mind as we go forward, right? Just think about like, there's more, there's more to it than just who's been good for two weeks, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, is what they're doing sustainable and there's ways to look at it. Uh, and we try to talk about them on the show, look at things like zone contact and line drive rate to see if a guy's a fraud, right? Look at expected batting average. It's a really good quick tool to tell you like is luck driving this. Mm -hmm. Right. You see those things. Um, home run fly ball rates, a a big one, right? Um, power hitters can have one that's about 20%, but you won't see anyone with 30 or higher for very long, uh, 30% home run to fly ball rate because just nobody's that strong. Right. Barry bonds is that strong and nobody else. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and Yelich and did it for a while because he like never hit fly balls. Uh, <laughs> so every time he did, it kind of was a home run, but that was back in the in the uh, 2019 era of fly balls leaving the yard constantly. So those are things to look at. And then also you don't care that much about it for the next month, mm-hmm. right? Because we no longer care about who can be that sustainable. The reason you look at sustainability now is to understand if you can cut a guy. I believe you can cut Zach Gilak just about everywhere, right? Uh, And the reason is because he's extremely streaky and you don't have time to wait. The guy's been killing you for, you know, over a week now, right? Uh, If you look back to August 23rd, so you're looking at a total of 10 games, the guy's hitting 122, 159, 268. Yeah. That's killing one home run, one stolen base. That's killing you. Mm -hmm. That's killing you. You don't need to hold on to that because what are you waiting for? You're hoping he gets blazing hot again? unlikely right it's just not very likely to happen so uh keep keep that stuff in mind like if you're thinking about to cut a guy yeah ceiling's important but like these low low floors are really important too and you don't need to hold on to that because every day you start him right now there's a chance that you're just taking away the gift that you got you Mm -hmm. got gil off for free you got a bunch of great stats out of it It's now diminishing returns. You're losing value you got, especially in Roto. You're losing the value you got by continuing to start it. So let him go. Find something else.
1: Let him go. (laughs) Uh, DJ Stewart, I mentioned, and uh, talk about like, you know, I don't know if you want to call him a flash in a pan or just, you know, just somebody who's just been extremely hot. Uh, But uh, over his last 21 games, Scott, for the Mets, DJ Stewart, remember he was with the, the Orioles during their very bad years. But uh, the guy has nine home runs, 19 RBI, batting 297 with a 1.132 OPS. Uh, Can't hit left-handed pitching, batting 133 against him, but batting 304 against uh, right-handed pitching. I just looked at the Mets' schedule. They're only playing five games this week. But DJ Stewart has been on fire. He just came back out of of nowhere. But he's one of these guys, like you mentioned, just you know, uh, an extremely streamable kind of guy that's just, you know, been killing it for the past, you know, two or three weeks.
2: Yeah. What a perfect example of when you're trying to find red flags. So you look at DJ Stewart and I'm just looking at his last uh, 19 games. Cause that was the, he'd had three days off and I kind of picked up after that, mm-hmm. uh, which is why it's a random number on one hand, right? His average exit velocity, 95.3%, right? This guy is crushing the ball. He's got hundred mile power hits, in in these uh, 19 games, he's got a 100-mile-per-hour hit in all but, like, four of them, right? So 15 of his last 19 games, he has a hit over 100 miles per hour. Hmm. Uh, here's the very interesting thing, and by interesting, I also kind of mean, like, extremely suspect, right? It's not the line drive rate. The line drive rate's fine, 20.5%. That's very sustainable. Uh, the zone contact, not great. It's a small sample though. 77.4%, not great, Uh, but it is again, a very, very small sample. So I'm not super worried about that. It's just something I'd keep my eye on. Uh, the bail rates good, right? So that would suggest he's doing very good. Two big red flags jump out to me immediately, right? A 5.8% walk rate and 31.9% strikeout rate. Hmm. Uh, generally speaking, that won't lead to long-term success. You will not see the top of batting leaderboards with a lot of guys with this walk to strikeout ratio, because Correct. it generally suggests that they're not very good about the strike zone, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're aggressive uh, and they're getting the hits now, but they do strike out a lot. The other is something I just sort of mentioned in passing at the very end of my, my little rant there. And that's home run to fly ball rate. Mm-hmm. Joe, I don't know if you're looking at it. Um, half about half of DJ Stewart's hits right now are fly balls. Over the stretch, nineteen games. Um, what do you think his home run to fly ball rate is? I and mean, again, for reference, twenty percent that indicates a power hitter. Right. Thirty percent right. indicates you know like Barry Bonds level power. Everything in the air is a home run. What do you think his is?
1: Uh, I, I tell it because I, I'm I'm looking at it. I don't want You're, to. Cheat. Yeah, you are yeah.
2: going to be wrong. It's forty-seven point four percent. Half the balls this guy hits in the air leave the yard. That does not happen. Right. right? It, it's amazing. It's even happened for this long. This is the type of home run fly ball rate you see over a series.
1: Right. Right. Like mm-hmm. not
2: 19 games. And again, it's not as though he's not hitting the ball hard. He is hitting the ball hard, mm-hmm. but like every fly ball, like <laughs> half of fly balls that just cannot continue. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a guy who you look, we have a long history of DJ Stewart in the major leagues. Yes. Right. He had almost 200 games coming into the season. Even with this amazing stretch he's done this season, his career line is 222, 332, 438. That's a marginal player at best, right? Uh, It's just that this power is not something. This is a guy with like 20 to 25 home run power in a full season with terrible ratios, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? That's just what he is. So when I see a home run fly ball rate over that long of a stretch, that's 47.4%. Again, you can keep playing him until it goes away, but right. like the moment it starts going away, move on.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, good lesson for us all. If you take a look at his stats, um, but uh, yeah, I guess that kind of uh, slams the lid on things for this week. Scott, uh, any other uh, things you want to go over? Any, any, um, uh, Items in the Reddit that opened your eyes, or some questions that uh, people are asking about a lot.
2: Um, you know, I, I will mention that I I rank Marcelo Zuna very poorly. I think that uh, I just one, I just don't like him. Uh, mm-hmm. There's you know, there's reasons for that. If you want to look him up, you can probably look him up why I don't like the player very much. But um, he had he has been good. So just keep in mind, I am biased against him in my rankings, and you just got to kind of deal with that for now. Mm-hmm. Um, not you know, again, I'm sure he's a much better person now, but um, there's plenty of other outfielders in the sea. So I haven't done that, but just again, one more point about home run to fly ball rate, the best home run to fly ball rate this season uh, for any qualified hitter is 31.4%. And that's Shohei Otani, right? DJ Stewart's is 50% higher than that. <laughs> right. <laughs> At 47.4. It's like, it's that much bigger. Like mm-hmm. that is going to change. Like the, Qualified hitters with a twenty percent home run to fly ball rate. There are fifteen of them. Fifteen. It includes names like Adolis Garcia, and Pete Alonso, and Kyle Schwarber, and Marcelo Zuna, and Matt Olson. Those are guys that can have twenty to thirty percent home run to fly ball rates. Mm-hmm. TJ Stewart's not one of those guys, right? Like I will bet dollars don't it's that he's not. He's not Jorge Soler. Ronald Acuna Junior. is doing it. Max Muncie is doing it. Uh, Lewis Robert Junior. Like, Jake Berger, again, who kind of makes sense, right? Because he's all power. Mm-hmm. Extreme pull hitter, tons of power. And, you know, also, DJ Stewart is pulling the ball a ton that will help with that number, but not 47.4%. That's nuts, mm-hmm. right? Again, if you see a week, and I I don't have it in front of me, but if you see a week where the Mets get, like, three lefties, it's okay to cut DJ Stewart, if especially in a playoff scenario where you need something sure. else.
1: Because... Crunch time we, right now. You
2: mm-hmm. don't have... Like it's okay to wait for the bottom to start falling out. You might miss a little bit, but I'd rather miss a week of good production than hold on for a week of very bad production, especially in a head-to-head scenario.
1: All right, good stuff as always, Scott. Uh, and uh, you can find Scott on X, formerly known as Twitter, at If the Chew Fits. Look for his hitter list article to come out uh, every week on PitcherList.com. You could follow me at Joe Galina. And uh, as always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time.